Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Good morning! Our roles have been switched up today. For those of you who don't know who I am, I am Pastor Amanda. I am the youth pastor, but I get the honor to step into this pulpit this morning and share with you something that I shared with the teenagers about two or three months ago, and I felt like this was something that we all needed to hear, even as adults. And so God says, this is what you're going to preach this morning. I said, yes, sir. How many of you know you just need to obey? <laughs> you just need to obey. So before we get started, because we are live streaming, hi everyone who's watching online. Um, I can't do what I would normally do with the teenagers because like copyright, we might get kicked off. So like when I did this to the teenagers, I had a song playing as like my entry song, you know? So they had the song going and then you're going up to it and you're like, yes. Well, I can't do that. So I just kind of have to reenact it for you. You ready? So how many of you heard the song War, right? By Edwin Starr. How many of you heard the song where it's like war, huh? Good God, y'all. Ready? What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. War. Oh, yeah, come on now. Y'all know it. Most of y'all are old enough to know this song. Mercy. But I'll be honest, I did not do it justice, okay? I obviously did not do it justice. But it is a song written in, in the 1970s to protest the Vietnam War. Now, some of you might actually recall that. I was not even a thought in my mom's mind in 1970, okay? Uh, my mom was born in 1969, okay? So <laughs> I was not even a thought. So I don't understand that. But the song, if you actually listen to the lyrics, it was written to protest the war. But here are some of the lyrics, some of the verses that we often don't listen to because we just think of that first part. War, huh. There you go, Gator. Yeah. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah, y'all could do it better. Here we go. But here's some of the verses. It says, Oh, war, I despise, because it means destruction of innocent lives. War means tears to thousands of mothers' eyes when their sons go off to fight and lose their lives. Peace, love, and understanding. Tell me, is there no place for them today? They say we must fight to keep our freedom, but Lord knows there's got to be a better way. So when they wrote this song, not only was it to protest the war, but it was also to really try to make a statement that we need more harmony amongst ourselves. Because let's be honest, war is a terrible thing. War is terrible. And when we think of war, we think of guns, we think of violence, we think of destruction, we think of death, sometimes it's political agendas. But I am so thankful for the men and women who answered the call to serve. Just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Memorial Day. Some of y'all celebrated by going to the beach and eating barbecue, but we celebrate the fact that people gave up their lives for our freedom. And if you were in the armed service, well, I want to give you a hand clap and say thank you for serving. War is not something that we should take lightly. It is something that is very much a big, important part of where we're at in our world. Right now, there's war in Ukraine. In February, Putin, the president of Russia, decided he was going to invade Ukraine, and he 
basically made an act of war. And I remember where I was at when this happened. We were at a youth leaders conference in Daytona, and I was around other, other adults my age and youth pastors, and I remember thinking, you know, there's the whole concept, this might be the start of World War III, and I'm in my head thinking, we are, we are not ready. We have no concept. My generation has no concept of war. I mean, let's be completely honest. Like, I have no idea how to shoot a gun. I mean, just, I'm just saying, that's why we have a safety team, and it's not me. But I have no concept of war. And so it's a terrible thing, and the sad thing about it is so many people are losing their lives. Innocent lives are being lost right now because of one man's decision to invade a country and inflict war. Now, there are eight reasons why wars happen as we know it. One, economic gain. Two, territorial gain. Um, three, religion. Think about the Crusades. Um, there's also nationalism, revenge, the Civil War, Revolutionary War, and then, of course, there's defensive war. But war is not something we should take lightly. And though war is what we're going to talk about today, I'm not talking about the physical war. Today, I want us to remember that there's a war that is going on right now that we cannot see. There is a spiritual war happening right now, and we have to be prepared for that spiritual war because the enemy is not playing games. He is ready, and he is ready to attack. And for some of you, he is already attacking. And like I said in the beginning, we're going to get in these altars today because that's where our battlefield is going to be. And we're going to take the battle to him because he is not going to get a foothold in our lives. Amen? So many times we think that we are at war with each other. Or so many times we might be at war with ourselves because we're not happy with where we're at in our lives and where we feel like we should be. But in truth, we are at war with the enemy. The enemy is always ready to attack. And we have to be prepared to take him on. So this morning I want to read to you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me online, pull it up in your Bibles or on your phones. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through five, this is what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage world war as the world does. Let me say that again. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Did you catch that? Bless you. Did you catch that? We are fighting with spiritual weapons not weapons of this world. And why? Because we have to take captives our thoughts. Because we don't want the enemy to invade our thoughts, but instead we want our thoughts set on Christ. So what are some of these spiritual weapons that God has given us? Now Paul, in all of his letters that he's written in the New Testament, there's several that he talks about, but today we're going to talk about three. All right, we're going to talk about three, and these to me are some of the vital weapons that we need to prepare for war. Just like you were prepared for physical war, war in the real world, we need to prepare for a spiritual war. Amen. So the first weapon that we are given is prayer. Because let me tell you, prayer is vital for war. It is vital. Pastor says this all the time. He gets frustrated when people say the least we can do is pray. 
No, the most we can do is pray. Because we are human. Last time I checked, I'm not an alien, I'm a human. I have flaws, you have flaws, we are not perfect. And when we pray, we are taking it out of our hands and giving it over to God. And we're saying, God, it is in your hands. Because you know what? He is perfect. He is mighty. He is strong. And he can take anything that we give him and turn it around for good. So when we pray, that is a weapon against the enemy. Because we are saying, you can't have this. This belongs to God. He will take it over. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about, the armor of God. And he says in verse 12, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. We're not fighting a physical battle. You could try to take swings at the devil, but it ain't going to go very far. But you start praying, I'm telling you right now, the enemy's going to get weak. Paul talks about the armor of God. How many of you remember learning about the armor of God growing up in church? You might even can recite them. I'd be very proud if you could, you know. But here they are, just to put it out there. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. Now, I'm not going to talk about the armor of God because that in itself is a sermon, okay? But Paul, after saying this in verse 12, he lists off the armor of God, but then he says this in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 6. He goes, and pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, not some, all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep and praying for all the saints. Keep on praying. Pray. We've got to pray. Our warfare against Satan's spiritual forces causes us to pray. We have to pray with intentionality. We have to pray with a boldness. And not just with our earthly tongues, but we need to be praying in our spiritual tongues. If you've been given the gift of tongues, you need to be praying because you are taking it out of your hands and giving it to God's hands. And you need to start praying. So many times when I pray for teenagers or adults, I don't know what they're going through. I'm not a mind reader. I don't think any of you are either. But we have got to pray. And when I begin to pray, I may not know what they're going through, but I just start praying in tongues because God knows. And I say, this is given to you, God. And the enemy can't penetrate this. This is all you. Pray. That is a very powerful weapon. And if we fail to pray, then we have surrendered to the enemy. Let me say that again. If we fail to pray, we have surrendered to the enemy. So pray. That is one of the strongest weapons we can have. Another weapon, worship. God has given us worship to battle the enemy. And some of you might be wondering, how does singing some songs mean that's a battle weapon? Well, let me just tell you right now. Here's one thing. Worship changes our focus. So many times we like to focus on the negative or what's going wrong in our lives, and it gets kind of negative. And you know people like that, they're never happy about anything, they just need a hug. You're like, come here. <laughs> but worship... It changes our focus where instead of focusing on the negative and woe is me, we're focusing on God. And we're focusing on how great he is. And we just sang these amazing worship songs about how he is the light of the darkness. And God is going to step into those negative thoughts and get rid of them. Because our focus isn't on us, it's on him. It will allow us to remember why we worship. It doesn't make it about us. Worship isn't about how you feel today. Worship is about what God can do 
and it changes our focus. Not only that, but it changes our perspective. Everybody in here and those online, put your hand in front of your face, like really close. Like, let's be honest, you can't really see much, can you? It's kind of, especially if you got to, some of you might have to really focus. Worship changes our perspective. What happens is we're right now seeing what's in front of us. And we don't realize that when we take a step back when we're in worship, we are stepping into the heavenly realm and we're seeing that God is in every single thing that's going in our lives. It is putting in perspective that we aren't the center of the world and that God is in everything and he is a part of everything. It changes our perspective. Worship also changes our circumstances hymns. I didn't grow up in church. I've shared this a little bit, but I did not grow up in church. So the hymns, I don't know them. I'll be honestly, I didn't know that first song. I don't. I don't know some of the original songs, but what I do know is a lot of those hymns are pure scripture. They're pure scripture. And the Christian uh, music culture, they kind of got away from that for a while, and they were getting more contemporary. And not that they were wrong, they just they kind of got into more feelings and less scripture. And I've seen now where a lot of current artists are changing back to getting it to more scripture. But when we worship, so many times we are speaking truth. We're speaking God's word. And it's going to change our circumstances. So though we're going through some stuff, when we begin to worship and to get to sing on his praises, then guess what? We are silencing the enemy because we are singing God's promises into our lives. Worship changes our circumstances. It also changes our enemy's position. Think about that for a second. Psalm 22.3 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So when you worship, you have entered into the presence of God. God has said, I'm right here. I'm right there with you. And guess what? When God's there, the enemy has to flee. He has to flee. He's not meant to be in the presence of God because God's presence is amazing, holy, wonderful, mighty. So when we worship, the enemy has to flee. When you're in that situation in your life and you need God to step in, begin to worship. Because he's going to step right in and be in your praises, and the enemy will flee in that instant. It also, worship changes the people around you. Believe it or not, people are watching you. They're watching you in this place, this building, this amazing building that we have. They're watching you in the world. They're watching you, and they're watching to see how you respond. Now, I know it's easy for, like, the worship team to be up here, and I'll be honest, it's hard sometimes to, like, make sure that we have the right face when we're on stage, because, I mean, I'm not going to lie, sometimes you're like, I don't know that song, but I can't let you know I don't know that song. I'll be like, and that's where we just go watermelon, 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 you know, but people are watching, but in real life, people are watching. They're watching to see what you do. Don't think for a second people aren't watching you. I'm reminded of this in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. And while they were in prison, how many know that's a pretty dire circumstance to be in prison? How many have you been in prison? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. But seriously, being in prison doesn't sound fun. But Paul and Silas were in prison. And what did they do? Well, let's read it in Acts chapter 16, verse 25. It says, about midnight, now I know most of you are asleep at midnight. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. 
Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And this is what Paul and Silas said. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. People are watching. When you're going through a situation, people are watching to see how you respond to things. They're watching to see if you are gonna do it with hands raised high and a song in your heart, or if you're gonna be like this and say the enemy's won. They're watching. And you never know what you do and your act of worship can very well lead somebody to say, I want that. I want that. And when you do that, the enemy has lost the battle. Because not only has he lost you, because you won't give in, he's lost that other person as well, because they have caught on to what you've got. Worship changes those around you. And look what it said in chapter 16 of Acts. It said the chains on not just Paul and Silas fell, but all of them fell. And the doors flew open. If that can happen in the physical, what can happen in the spiritual when we worship? What chains spiritually are holding you back that you need to fall today? or you need in your family to fall today? How many of you need doors busted open because you're tired of the enemy lurking in the darkness and you need God to step in? I had a professor in college. It's funny what you remember from college. He was a sweet little country man and he had this saying when it comes to the scripture. He said that if God, heaven is God's throne room, earth is his footstool. And the reason why there was an earthquake is because when Paul and Silas started singing, he was tapping his foot, tapping his foot. Again, what she remember? Like, I don't know why I remember that. I had a whole book of things he said. He said all sorts of things. People are watching. They're trying to see how you're going to respond. So let them see you worship. Worship is a powerful tool in the spiritual realm. The last tool I want to talk to you about is this right here, God's word. God's word. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. Let me tell you, this is one of the most powerful weapons that we have been given. This is the weapon that will stand forever. We are going to fail. We are going to fall because we are human, but God will never fail us. God will not fall. And we need to be reading God's word daily to prepare for spiritual battle. Because let me tell you something, the enemy himself knows God's word. So the question is, does he know it better than you? I mean, the enemy wants nothing more than to twist God's word. We see it every day. I work with teenagers, and I'll have teenagers in the schools that'll come up to me and they'll, they'll quote a scripture verse or something they saw, and they took it out of context, and I'm like, that's not what that means. This is what it means. But the enemy wants nothing more than to twist God's word, and he wants nothing more than to put doubt in your mind that that's not real. 
think about in the garden with Adam and Eve, and Eve at the tree, and the snake is trying to lure her in and try to convince her, and she's like, but we're not supposed to eat of that tree because it's, you know, God doesn't want us to, and all these things, and this is what the enemy says. He goes, did God really say that? He puts doubt. If you're not reading his word daily, it'll be really easy for doubt to creep in. It'll be really easy for him to come in and just twist those scriptures or twist those thoughts. And then you're starting to think, well, this ain't real. I actually had a little boy tell me today that he thinks this is stupid. And I said, you can think this is stupid, but there's power in these words. And you never know when you're going to have to turn to this for your life. This is a powerful weapon, and the enemy cannot stand against it. This has the power to expose evil. It has the power to heal. It has the power to save. It has the power to cast out demons and overcome all darkness. This is a powerful weapon that we need to fight in the spiritual battle that is before us. Now, I want us to go back to that very first passage that I read in 2 Corinthians, and I want us to think about these words again that Paul wrote. So turn with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and let's read it one more time. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The world is a very dark place. I really wished it wasn't. We see so much negativity and so much bad that happens on a daily basis. And people often like to ask Christians, well, if God's a good God, why does he allow these things to happen? I don't have all these answers, but I do know that God is in every situation. God is in every single situation, and he can use us to be a light in this darkness. Yes, thank you. I want us to understand that while we're in this world, we're going to see some pretty hard things, some pretty nasty things things that some of us can't even stomach. But if that's what our physical eyes can see, think about our spiritual lives. What is happening on the spiritual realm that we have no idea, but the enemy is trying to get his foothold into our lives? War, pain, terror, disaster, death, these are all things that we face in the natural. But today, we are gonna to go to battle in the spiritual. We've been given three weapons that I shared with you today. Prayer, worship, and God's word. And the enemy wants nothing more than for you to cross your arms and say, not today, I'm not gonna do it, I don't feel like it. But we have to remember, when we pray, we are giving it to God. I wanna encourage you this morning, Pray in the spirit, not in your flesh. Pray in the spirit. Take it to the spiritual level. Don't be weirded out by the supernatural. Our God loves it when we experience him on a spiritual level. Worship Jesus by lifting up his praises. 
worship him. Some of y'all need to worship this morning. Some of you need to get out of that comfort bubble of being in your seat and just worship because it's not about you. And if you can't worship in here, how are they going to see you worship out there? How are they going to see you respond to when life gives you some real troubles and real disasters and real pain? We have to worship. We have to stand on God's word. We're not standing on what's currently in the news. We're not standing on our own opinions, but we are standing on God's word. And as soon as we stand on God's word, the enemy cannot prevail. So this morning, I'm going to ask every single one of you to stand up. Come to your feet right now, every single one of you. And I'm going to pray. And this is what's going to happen. I'm going to ask you the question, are you ready for war? And when we get done praying and you're ready to take the fight to the enemy so that he doesn't get a stronghold in your life, he doesn't get a stronghold in your children, you're going to come to these altars and you're going to go to battle. Because let me tell you right now, the enemy is trying to win. He is fighting at this very moment. He is trying to win. He's trying to get a stronghold in your life, maybe in your children's lives. Some of you may need to be in these altars praying for your children and your grandchildren. Some of you might need to be praying for your spouses. So many times I see it where there's one spouse that's a believer and one that's not. Be praying. Y'all need to be fighting for them. Some of you might need to fight for yourselves because you just don't have it in you anymore. Well, guess what? God didn't want you to fight the battle. He wanted you to ask him to fight the battle. So come down here and fight the battle with God because we have to be ready for war because you know what? The enemy is already fighting. He's ready. So when I get done praying, I'm going to put this mic down and I'm going to join you arms in arms at these altars because I'm not above you. I'm beside you. And we are going to fight this battle for this church, for our families, for our community, for those schools that I'm in every single day because the enemy will not win. We are in a spiritual battle and he will not win. And I won't let him. Will you join me in the battle? On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.